You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gay Fetch, Vosh Bad. And I'm Ari, and I knew you were trouble when you walked in. And today we'll be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Allegiance and Captain's Holiday. But first, uh, this is our first recording session after San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. So we've got a couple things to talk about. There weren't a lot of Star Trek announcements um, uh, given out this year, but the one big one is that next season on Strange New Worlds, they're going to do a crossover with Lower Decks. Oh, so like live action? Yes. Um, They haven't gone into a lot of detail about what it is. What it will entail, but they did say they're going to be doing a mix of animation and live action. Now, I hope that doesn't mean that like Boimler and Mariner beam onto the Enterprise and are still like animated walking down live action corridors. I think oh, that would probably no, that would be no. yeah. I think probably what'll happen is like uh, we might just see scenes on the Cerritos where it's just like animated, and then like a transporter accident happens that sends them back in time a hundred years to the Enterprise, and then when they uh, materialize on the pad there they're like they'll be real actors. people yeah. yeah and uh i'm excited um it actually really helps that the uh, voice actors that they uh cast for the show look a lot like the character designs so i wonder if they did that on purpose so, like i wonder if this was planned out ahead of time it, it's entirely possible but um yeah so uh, I, i'm excited to see it and actually um jesse gender uh she had even like made a tweet a couple days before the announcement saying oh it, it would just be great if like we just had boimler and mariner just like show up uh in the background of a strange new worlds episode and it just never gets addressed until lower <laughs> decks comes out and then like we find out from like their perspective of what happened right uh, so, That's she so funny because predict- yeah, she, she predicted, predicted it. it yeah the other big thing that came out of stcc this year was uh william shatner had his own uh panel where he was being interviewed by kevin smith and, and is this is this because of that show, the Netflix show? He's got some Netflix show that's been popular, keeps showing up on the Netflix top 10, like un- unexplained mysteries, like a unsolved mysteries knockoff. Uh, you know, I really don't pay much attention to what Shatner is doing these days. OK, um, I don't. It just says his name on the cover of it. So I pay no attention. <laughs> yeah, Um. I think that's generally a good idea to pay no attention to what Bill Shatner has to say about anything. Uh, But this one made the rounds because he was uh, saying that uh, Gene Roddenberry would be spinning in his grave over what Star Trek has become. And like, dude, you don't know Star Trek. No, no, I think I know Star Trek better than Shatner at this point, you know, and I'm here as the rookie. Yeah, (laughs) it sounds weird to say because he was the star of Star Trek, the, the original star, but he's never watched Star Trek like he hates watching himself. The only Star Trek thing that we know that he has seen is Star Trek V because he directed it. Uh, he, he has said he didn't watch any of the other shows. So it's like, dude, so you worked with Gene Roddenberry for like three years and you claim to have like intimate knowledge about, oh, Gene's vision. And also like, can we get rid of the whole Gene's solitary vision? Like he wasn't even the only one creating that show. There was no, writer's team. Um, plus it's, it's 2022. Like, yeah. I feel like for how progressive that Roddenberry was in the 60s and in the 90s and all these things that we're seeing on this show, why wouldn't he have evolved with the times? Because 
I think assuming that he would be a dinosaur like everybody else is not a fair assumption. Well, and I, I don't even I didn't look too closely into what it was Shatner was saying about. Yeah, I didn't either. I think I sent you an article title and said, can we talk about this? <laughs> yeah, um, no, Shatner is I think he's probably just pandering to there because there's a growing subset of of uh, of Trek fandom that has basically rejected everything that came out in the Kurtzman era as new Trek. Now I still will call it new Trek just, you know, for like a, a, a timeline delineation thing, but what, what's the Kurtzman era? Uh, Alex Kurtzman. He's the current uh, executive producer for Star Trek. So meaning uh, discovery, discovery and strange on, new worlds. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I guess technically uh, the JJ Abrams movies too, because he wrote those. Those are kind of separate and by themselves and in my head. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they definitely are a different thing than the shows. But anyway, um, Melissa Navia, who plays Lieutenant Ortegas on uh, Strange New Worlds, she actually called him out on Twitter like, dude, you don't watch the show. Right. Step aside, Grandpa. <laughs> right. I know, because that's the discussion we just had last episode or maybe it was two episodes ago about uh, Data's daughter and how he was going to let her pick her gender and how people are like, new Star Trek is too woke. But like. Mm-hmm. The, the first interracial kiss happened on the original series. Who does Shatner think he's fooling? He was a part of that. He was a part of history. And that was Gene Roddenberry pushing the boundaries for what people found acceptable because he was like, nah, screw this. You know, people of two different races can kiss. So what? also like I, I just have to point out, even at this point in the show, uh, and I'll get into it when we talk about Captain's Holiday. But even at this point in the show, Roddenberry's control over the show is pretty minimal. And like everyone's favorite Star Trek movie is The Wrath of Khan, a movie that Roddenberry had no involvement with. Uh, like Paramount basically said, yeah, no, uh, you uh, you bungled the first movie. We're going to take it away from you. So like interesting. And and. I, I, I honestly, I think probably some of the best Star Trek everyone considers is stuff that happened, you know, uh, after Roddenberry lost control or after he died. And even though, like, you know, um, just 90s Trek, I think that's kind of what everyone's gold standard for what Star Trek is. Yeah. Which at that point, Gene's basically on the outs. So why are we giving him credit for other people's work? Well, it's the same reason that everybody wants to say if the founding fathers were here. Yeah. First, they'd have <laughs> yeah. a heart attack over cars and maybe <laughs> airplanes um, and then banks. Like, I mean, I don't know, like banking cards. I mean, like ATMs, um, like there's all sorts of Not things. Not to mention that, uh, like automatic rifles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, because that's the argument. Oh, the founding fathers, founding yeah. fathers. Like, yeah, well, they'd get done ha- going into the psych ward because they didn't understand a thing that was going around. And then we could potentially ask them what they think of automatic weapons, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's that you can't keep saying, well, Gene Roddenberry this, Gene Roddenberry that. He created a thing, but, um, you know, something I, I used to be an editor, like, of, of like, novels. And I one of the things I always told the writers is that your book isn't complete until someone reads it. You can spend years of your life writing a book and making it perfect and spending all of this time crafting it into the perfect book that you want it to be. But if the readers read it and experience something different, that's actually part of your book too, you know, and that experience Mm -hmm. completes your writing. And so without the viewers, without the actors, without the producers, without all these things that aren't Gene Roddenberry, Star Trek wouldn't have been what it was anyway. Yeah. But I don't know. Gene, I'm just over Shatner. I think we've mentioned this before, but we have a mutual friend that's been blocked by William Shatner because he tried to like clarify something that he posted that was incorrect or something and Shatner couldn't take it. So he just blocked him. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's really funny to me. Shatner, I, 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 I've heard he's pretty notorious for blocking people yeah. on Twitter. So. <laughs> but yeah, he can suck it. I don't care about Shatner, but I do care that he's out there running his mouth because people see him as the face of Star Trek. Yeah, you he know? hasn't been involved in forever. It's just... Uh, other than he'll do like occasionally i think he did um a documentary called the captains where he interviewed all of the different uh oh uh, yeah i do remember that actors which it was weird because like he was directing and he was conducting the interviews but you would think you would want to make it about the people you're interviewing but but he made it about himself yeah yeah Yeah, he's got an ego (laughs) i bet he does yeah so before we move on to today's episodes let's talk about the patreon that's right head on over to patreon.com slash rest of both worlds if you're feeling so generous uh for any amount you will get access to these episodes up to five days early you'll also get access to a spot on our discord where you can submit ideas for these uh small talks and for the ten dollar tier we will read your name out at the end of each episode and nobody's taken that one yet you could be the first you can be the first (laughs) oh and by the way before we get into talking about the episodes uh you might notice uh ari's uh audio sounds a little weird it's because we live in you know Washington State, where right now we are having Satan's butthole pass over us, apparently. Seriously. <laughs> so her AC's on in the background, and I'm gonna try and clean it up. I have no idea how it's gonna sound. So there's no way that um, we would get through this recording if I didn't have it on. I'm a real big baby when it comes to the heat. So. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to talk about Allegiance, which is the 18th episode of the third season. It first aired on the 26th of March, 1990. It was Richard. It was written by Richard Manning and Hans Beamler and directed by Winrich Colby, which are like three very heavy hitters. We've seen all those names a bunch. Yeah, um, this is a, an, an interesting episode because it's one of a couple times where we see like the crew consider mutiny. Yeah. And like every every time that they consider <laughs> mutiny, like they're correct in doing it, but it's always over like trivial differences in Picard's behavior. I know that was the part that was so interesting to me because they were like, "Well, not yet, not yet, not yet," and I was like, "Okay, okay," but like so far, he's just like being weird. Like yeah. there's nothing he's done that's like wrong. But then when they get to the nebula or whatever it was, the the, the supernova yeah. that they were going to, he starts like basically piloting the ship into the star or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to make him stop. This is um actually, it, interestingly, it's kind of an alien abduction episode. It is. Yeah. Because Picard just his, uh he gets uh, stolen from his bedroom. By the monolith from 2001. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, I, I was waiting for <laughs> to do it <laughs> and so but uh they don't know he's been kidnapped because they've left a doppelganger who acts mostly like picard but he's starting to like i don't know just kind of have interest in more like trivialities doesn't really seem to be taking the job itself that seriously like when they try and break into his room because they sensed like you know the kidnapping they open the door and there he's standing with the book in the hand and a brandy snifter just like oh hey guys what's up just me being casual yeah this is just <laughs> i don't mean now to be honest that's what picard was doing when the episode started before he was abducted and, and it's funny because like the captain's log overlay is something like well we've we've gotten rid of the plague on blah 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 and i was like yes i always celebrate the end of a plague <laughs> With you know a good brandy and some and a Dixon Hill novel, but I mean I I I thought it was I loved this episode. I'm just going to say that from the beginning. I thought it was great. 
I have a bunch of things I loved about this episode. So while the crew is dealing with uh, Focard, as I wrote in my notes, I think you called him Faux Luc Picard. Uh, yeah, I think Faux Luc Picard. Yeah, because I was trying to find a um, what's that show? You know what show I'm talking about with Folivia? Oh, uh, Fringe. Fringe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I was trying to find a fringish name for Fake Picard. <laughs> anyway, while they're dealing uh, with uh, his um, idiosyncratic behaviors. Uh, the actual Picard <laughs> is in a room with just a couple of other aliens that uh, there's like a central console that delivers edible jelly hockey pucks. Right. And uh, that's a good description. <laughs> and and a locked door that shoots a laser beam at you if you try to, to tamper with it. And there's two aliens that aren't Jean-Luc. There's a girl with blue skin with like a line down her face that yep. like divides her face in half. And then there's this other alien guy that is also I blue. Who's also blue, I, but I can't remember the, his name or anything. He just reminded me of that guy from that Doctor Who episode because um, the the God Complex. Because I think whoever wrote the God Complex for Doctor Who definitely saw this episode <laughs> um, because there's a lot of direct influences. Yeah, his name's Thal, and he's a member of a species that he's like, oh, we have no enemies because Picard's trying to figure out well, why were we all kidnapped. Uh, obviously, like him and the the Bullion girl, they're both Starfleet, so that may have something to do with that. But then right. uh, this other guy, he's not Starfleet, and he's like, "Well, we have no enemies." It was like, "Huh, no enemies? You've been invaded six times in the last three hundred years." He's like, "Well, yeah, uh, we have no enemies because we don't fight back from them." I'm like, "Right, yeah, okay, maybe that's why you keep getting invaded, dude." <laughs> right, exactly like that race from the Doctor Who episode. Then that's what made me think of it. And then at the end, when they open the door and there's just a wall behind the door, I was like, "Oh." big day for fans of walls because that's what the doctor <laughs> says when that happens in that episode so i'm like 99.9 percent .9 sure that whoever wrote the gog complex had seen this episode i tried googling it some reddit people had brought up the similarities and most people were like oh no it's not similar enough but i couldn't find if the author had or the writer had actually seen this episode but i'm assuming most doctor who episode pete writers have probably seen star trek you know um and I haven't I've only seen God Complex once, but I remember really liking that episode. And I it's, think that I was, go back and watch it all the time, like as a standalone. I love it. It's such a good episode. I think that was the same season with uh, a town called Mercy, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, or it comes or a town com called Mercy comes right after that. One or the other. It's here before or after. Because I remember distinctly watching a town called Mercy and going, oh, this is like a Star Trek episode. And yeah, it is. It sure is. <laughs> and, and I think I think I seem to remember thinking God Complex had like kind of a star trek feel to it as well right i would have never gone there in my head until i saw this episode though because there's too many shining influences in the god complex that i was right. too busy being like oh my god the shining you know <laughs> like right 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 from the start when he's in the room i'm just like okay so this is one of those psychological experiments you stick a bunch right. of people in a room and see how they fight with each other oh and like after those three are there like then a fourth guy shows up Esok, who's like this giant like uh, um, boar-faced dude. He's I got called him Ludo, like the guy from Labyrinth. Ludo, mm -hmm. the big like monster guy. Yeah, and actually, when he shows up, that's when I started thinking that the that this was going to be like Saw, where one of the people in the room was actually the bad guy. Uh -huh. um, but I picked the wrong guy. I picked the blue guy, the the one that. But they also picked him. Because they went that same route. Oh, somebody in this room did it, blah, blah, blah. And they immediately yeah. pointed at him because he had tried the laser door <laughs> and told them, oh, no, I'm not going near the laser door. But he he was the first one there. So they were like, oh, ha ha, maybe you. And that was also what made me think, oh, maybe he's the bad guy. 
I was wrong. I mean, it's it's a reasonable assumption when somebody is that cowardly. You're like, OK, you're just a collaborator at this point. Right. And uh, yeah, as it turns out, uh, it's actually the uh, the cadet. Um, right. The, the, the bullying girl. Uh, she's actually one of the aliens that are observing them because they've got like shape shifting abilities. Um, and Picard's actually tipped off to that because uh, she starts like listing off all of his, uh, his accomplishments because, you know, she's been studying him at the academy. But she mentions the plague that they just cured. And Picard's like, that was uh, classified. There's no chance a cadet would know about that. Plus, they literally had just, like, this came into my head. They had just done it, and she had been in that room for a couple days, I think. Yeah, that was my first So that was the other part that made me, like, go, wait, how does she know about that? Yeah, I I noted that right away, and I thought, well, maybe it was one of the other things that she mentioned that he'd be like, oh, you wouldn't know about that one. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, that... uh, that that right there was a was a big red flag. There is a stargazer name drop. I think it was by her. I think she name dropped the stargazer. No, 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 no. It was Picard. I think he said when I was on the stargazer, I visited your planet. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh, stargazer. <laughs> now, I actually really liked Isak, the uh, the big monster dude. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's kind of um, what sort of? He's kind of stereotyped. Like, of course, the uh, the anarchistic, violent species is gonna look like a pig demon, but right. <laughs> um, I, I just kind I appreciated his honesty, and you know, he uh, I, I I agreed with his dislike for Thal. I disliked Thal. I don't like anyone who's that much of a coward who's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, anyone can invade us. Like, no, dude, stand up for yourself. Have a yeah. little bit of a spine. But um, Thal tries the hockey puck and it's poisonous to him. He claims it's poison. He claims it's poison. I was so irritated with that because my kids would also be like, no, that's poison. Yeah, get in there and eat your hockey puck, friend. <laughs> like, he says it's poison. That wasn't enough him. for me. Like, I, it, like I did not. If I had been in the room, I would have been like, yeah, prove it. Like, I don't know. To me, I was like, nah, here's, buddy, screw you. You know? Here's why I believed him. <laughs> uh, that dude is big, so he's probably got quite an appetite and i don't think he would go straight to murder i think if he had any opportunity for food he'd be like eh, it's not the greatest but i'm uh, <laughs> i just i just wanted to him to like you know shove the whole thing in his mouth <laughs> i know i know there was there was a moment though where basically i thought we were gonna have that old bugs bunny trope where he was gonna look around and all the people were gonna be pieces of meat <laughs> yeah. he just does it to thaw which like if you're gonna eat somebody in that room yeah yeah eat thaw. he's not gonna fight back <laughs> Us both. I mean, Picard has no meat on him. There's nothing to eat there. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's skinny as heck. <laughs> so how come Deanna can't read faux Picard? So they uh, mentioned that um, they were actually uh, like it was not fully clear when when they said that they did the doppelganger because they actually made doppelgangers of everybody that they uh, brought in. Right. And like it wasn't fully clear whether it was actually an alien posing as them, but they said that they got like a complete like map of their brain and like duplicated it exactly. Of course, it's not exact because they start having little idiosyncrasy. What's the word? Idiosyncratic responses? Yeah, no. something like that. Idiosyncratic. <laughs> okay. Well, we both can't say that word. Apparently. Anyway, <laughs> little things are off, and um. I, I think it's probably well, and also because they are a telepathic species themselves, they might have just been able to block out Deanna's ability to to sense more than they what they wanted. Yeah, I think the only tell that Deanna gave us was she said something like 
he's more detached from his emotions than he normally that's is. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he did. Yeah. Said something. So that's that was the only thing she said. But I was like, I don't know. I feel like she should be able to tell it's not him easier, you know, um, but it's whatever. It, Deanna's powers work the way they need to for the script is what I've just decided. You that's know, generally how powers work for anybody. Writing that's anything. true. Yeah. <laughs> like like how how much can Superman lift? I don't know. However much the writer however needs, much him he to. needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> So I one of my favorite moments, though, as much as we hate the the blue guy, I can't think of his name. You just Paul. said it, Paul. Um, as much as we hate him, I did laugh out loud when he they're like, you're not helping try to get this door open. He's like, I told you, Emma, first that I got hit by a beam and I'm not going to come over there. And then they get hit by it. And he and he literally says, I warned you. <laughs> and I was like, you're not doing a very good job of trying not to look like the bad guy right now. I one of the lines from Isak that that made me immediately like him though is that when like they're all introducing themselves and Thal gives his name, Isak says your names all mean surrender. <laughs> I know that was funny because <laughs> because Isak means warrior or whatever. Yeah. Um. So they gave us another band candy episode that pissed me off, where John Luke and Beverly have a moment, but it's not really John Luke and Beverly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on like i don't know it's like the one like i J beverly wasn't replaced she was still herself she could tell he was acting really weird and i don't know i don't i, don't, I was like uh like i don't understand why we can't have a normal beverly and john luke interaction her the the way that she responded to him putting the moves on seemed out of character to me because she laid out her boundaries like at dinner she's like look I, yeah we obviously we have a complicated relationship but i think right now it's best if we just keep things friends and then he immediately puts on some romantic music and starts dancing with her and then goes to kiss her and i'm just like yeah she just laid that out she doesn't seem she like the she doesn't seem like the pushover type. yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. no I, I followed that too like i wondered if they had some sort of telepathic control over the crew i don't think so otherwise so they wouldn't have mutinied that's true. One of the things that so that was one of the things that was out of character for Jean-Luc. He invited Beverly to his quarters for a sexy meal. Um, the other things were that he went to the poker game, which when he walked in the room, I was like, "Has he? does he go to the poker games? No, <laughs> like, that was goes. the first thing in my head. And then the other one was he's in 10 forward. And I have a couple problems with the scene, but he's in 10 forward and he a buys around for everyone which is weird when they don't have money and they can pick yeah. out whatever drink they want. Um, and then I, I he thought that sings, was funny too. I know. Like I was like, that one for me would make me if I was Riker or whatever, go, what is he doing? Doesn't he know money doesn't exist? Yeah. My, my, my note says ales for everyone. They're free. Why do people act like he bought them around? I know. Yeah. Thanks captain. <laughs> like you can, now that you finished that ale, the captain ordered for you, go ahead and order some more. But <laughs> I, I that and that's the moment too where like Riker realizes no that's not Jean-Luc because uh Picard would never be that familiar with his crew. Right. He like gets everyone a beer and then like link sings uh, a sea shanty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leaves them all in a, a drinking song and I'm just like mm. what was weird to me about that one is how everyone else knows the words and starts singing along too and I'm just like this song sounds just really outdated even for the time of the episode that came out like I right. understand that Starfleet is kind of a naval tradition and like so you might have stuff like that but this feels like it was 
written by somebody who was in the Navy 30 years ago at that point. <laughs> right. Now, um, so the thing that I did note about that, though, is while it was really out of character for Jean-Luc to sing with his crew, I don't think that alien species made up that song. I think they took it from Jean-Luc's memory, yeah. which means well, course, he did have that experience. Yeah. Um, and I meant to point that out is that he, that, that like, yes, Jean-Luc did sing songs with his drinking buddies when he was in Starfleet Academy or whatever, because they pulled that out of his memories. They just didn't know Jean-Luc well enough to know he wouldn't be singing with his crew now. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting touch, you know, especially at the end when Riker's like, well, you know, we didn't know you had such a good singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is at the point in my notes where it says WTF is the aliens plan here. Like, because I was like, what is the point? Like, I don't see what they're doing. Like they're they've they've put faux card in the ship and they've locked these four in a room and I could not figure out what they were trying to do. I was like, I don't understand what the game plan is here. They were just studying alien behaviors. What That's what you find out at the end. There is no game plan. Like there is no mission like Jean-Luc trying to fly them into the sun or whatever was just to see how far they could push him. You know? Oh, that I, uh, I think that was just probably, uh, yeah, Picard's doppelganger breaking down and uh, yeah, yeah, it didn't seem like that part of it was like well thought out. Like, Obviously, having him endanger the crew is a good excuse for Riker to mutiny. But why would he do that? Why would I the thought it was part of that? the. I thought it was part of the aliens test. Yeah. I thought it was there to like, well, we're going to do something random that might kill the whole crew. Let's see how long it takes them to mutiny. But yeah, but that makes no sense because the reason they put those doppelgangers there is so that people wouldn't notice they were gone. So why would they? Right. Act? Yeah, it, it it sounds like their plans weren't as well thought out as they had hoped. And once Picard has like you know uh, figured out the thing, they're like, okay, well now that you know about the experiments, uh, the the results are tainted. So we're just going to go ahead and send everyone back uh but as soon as they send you know picard back uh he is able to you know like uh motion the uh the bridge crew to like set up a force field around the two aliens without with even his saying eyes. a word yeah, yeah like with we his do. eyes we do that like yeah. i in my office i have four counselors and a registrar and then my desk is out in the main part of the office when you come in like when you come into our office because i'm the secretary yeah and um there's times I, I mean, my counselors are behind doors, but they have glass windows because it's a school, right? And I can make eye contact with my counselors all the time. We are, we've worked together for a year now and we know what the person wants. Like I can give them a, hey, do you need help eyeballs? And they can give me the no without ever any words, you know, like, and yeah. so that was, I thought that was so cute because it is what humans do. We can communicate without words. Just not the way that they wanted us to be able to communicate without words. <laughs> but I, I do love because, uh, the these aliens were like, well, we can't conceive of why you would be bothered by being held captive. You weren't injured. And it's like being held captive is injury. And once they do it to them, they're like, no, get us out of here. We don't like it. It's like, yeah, dude, nobody likes being held captive. Don't yeah. be like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was I was watching this documentary last night. It reminds me of this. It was about Hunter Moore, who was like the revenge porn king guy. Like he started revenge porn. But mm -hmm. at the end of the documentary, it says uh, at first, Hunter Moore agreed to be in our documentary and then he changed his mind we used his image anyway <laughs> and i was dying and it reminded me of that yeah i was thinking of that episode when it happened <laughs> yeah i was like oh that's funny um now i will ask do, do prisons exist 
in the Federation because I have a problem against prisons. Oh, Um, me too. (laughs) And this this quote makes it sound like Jean-Luc has a problem with prisons. Mm -hmm. Um, So in uh, in Star Trek Voyager, in the pilot episode, when we first meet Tom Paris, he is at a penal colony in New Zealand. Mm. Uh, So now it's not like confined cells or anything. He's like doing work for them. And, you know, he's able to go outside just with no, you know, there's like no obvious... Uh, uh, walls or guards or anything like that so it seems like it's a very like the whole planet is the prison you can't go home to your home planet like that <laughs> well, like that's that, 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 not, not a star not, trek that... not like that because it's new zealand it's on earth it's you know it's... oh oh it's new zealand oh yeah you said that i just didn't track uh i i think it's just more of like a like the scandinavian prison model or something like that where like their prison is like a a, a single person apartment like a one bedroom apartment and they're able to you know go yeah it it seems like it's really good prisons too i was watching a france like (laughs) true crime show and their prisons are really nice so i thought that the point that picard really gave himself away was arguing with will about stepping down that was the moment for me that i said uh picard would not argue like this like i'm the captain you're not that was basically his argument. <laughs> yeah, if, if if actual Picard was there and Will was like, dude, I'm concerned about your behavior and, and uh, like I, I might be filing a report about it. Picard would be like, shit, what did I do? He would take it more seriously. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, oh, well, what did I do? What to make number one? That's what we call him, right? Yeah. Uh, to make number one, like question me you know yeah, like Picard he, he would, would go, be concerned oh yeah i i trust Riker enough that if he's concerned i'm doing i'm doing the concerning behavior you know yeah. um so that was for me the part where i was like okay well i mean like the singing and the you have to follow my orders and i'll tell you later stuff that picard was doing the whole episode i was like all of that's kind of acceptable but when will comes to him and says we might have to mutiny and his response is if you mutiny you know you'll hurt my feelers i was like okay <laughs> that's not that's not that's not picard you know yeah <laughs> all right so next we're going to talk about captain's holiday which was the 19th episode of the third season it aired on the 2nd of april 1990 it was written by ira stephen bear and directed by chip chalmers arc one of three of Vosh, it says. <laughs> yeah, she comes back. Or as I like to call her, Marion. <laughs> it was kind of a uh, Indiana Jones uh, style episode, especially Indeed. once I actually go out and they're just literally wearing Indy's outfits. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And like, there was a point where she's like, well, I'm an archaeologist. And I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't hate the actress. Um, uh, I like her. She's she's very sassy she seemed like she was like a caliber above some of the regular actors on the show i don't know uh-huh. how to explain it like she should be in a movie and they're on tv does that make sense <laughs> yeah, I did, like I the, the, the level of acting was a little bit higher and i don't know that she knew how to act for tv does that make sense i don't know i'm trying to explain it but i don't think i'm doing a good job but i thought her like because it felt like we were watching a movie when it was on her like it was more cinematic her acting was more cinematic whereas jean luc and the rest of them were still just acting like we were on tv but i don't know how to explain it better than that anyway the plot uh picard needs a vacation and he won't take one and so the entire crew conspires to send him on one like like there's even a point where picard just tells Riker, is there anybody on the ship who does not know about this little scheme and, and Riker's like i think there's like two ensigns on deck 39 who know nothing about I, it <laughs> but, but but literally my favorite part was deanna walks onto the de- uh, the bridge and she's like hey bill did i mention <laughs> 
<laughs> she didn't say Bill, but I'm going to say it anyway. Did I mention that my mom is coming? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Picard's just like, God damn it. Okay, fine. But, Everybody's in on this. Oh. <laughs> uh, I love uh, when Riker is selling him on Ryza, like he, you know, gives him the elevator pitch, literally an elevator pitch. Literally. And he's like, oh, and can I mention? And then Picard's like, yeah, the women. I know where you're going with this. They say the women at the same time. And Picard says it like, the women. Yeah. And Riker says, the women. <laughs> but they say it over each other. It was and, so and then later, when uh, when Picard's packing for the trip, and Riker's like, "Have I mentioned the women?" And then Deanna's standing next to him goes, "Yeah, a little too much, dude. Too often, Commander. <laughs> too often. <laughs> like she's like, okay, buddy, we've heard all about the women on Risa, you know? <laughs> she's like, look, I get it. You like to sleep around. I do too." You don't need to talk about it this much. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so Quark is not here, nope. but it may as well be. Actually, that's funny. Uh, it's He's played by Max Grudenchik, uh, who plays Quark's brother, Rom, in Deep Space oh, Nine. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, as soon as he came on, I was like, oh, is it Quark? Mm. <laughs> Am I ever getting Quark in, in Next Generation or not? We'll, we'll get him in like season six or seven or okay. something like that, like one episode. But uh, yeah, um, Rom does not do the weird squinty-eyed thing that uh, Sovak does the whole episode. Yeah, I messaged you at one point and said, "Is he trying to play a weird Asian caricature?" <laughs> like I was, it was bothering me really bad. It was, it was a weird performance choice that I'm glad he doesn't repeat. Um, mm -hmm. and, but yeah, it's weird. Anyway, so uh, he and Vosh had been like working on trying to find this, like, you know, a Maltese Falcon or whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. It's a MacGuffin. It's a, it's yeah. a MacGuffin. And, I even um, wrote that in my notes somewhere. I'm like, oh, we're going after the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. But uh, interestingly, it's a future MacGuffin. Like, it's like an artifact from the 27th century. And so there's even, like, some time travelers who show up on Ryza at the start of the episode, like, looking for Picard. And he's not even, like... Uh, there yet. <laughs> there yet. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll we'll wait around. Uh, the, the records show that he was here. Picard is, like, not really enjoying himself on Ryza at first. Um, Riker asks him to pick up a souvenir for him called a Horgon. Of course, Riker, the stinker that he is, uh, knows that if he buys the Horgon and just has it sitting out there, well, it is an invitation for Jamaharon, which is... Uh, they never explain what Jamaharon is, but it's obviously a sex act. It is and obvious, yeah. So, like, Picard's just sitting there trying to read a book... While like woman after woman after woman comes and makes a pass at him, he's like, "Would you all just leave me alone?" And they're like, "Well, why do you display the horgon?" And he's just like, "Why? What do you mean?" Okay. God damn it, Riker! <laughs> I know, but I have to ask you a question. So, if you go on vacation, like let's say you go somewhere, and I'm like, "Oh, while you're there, could you pick me up a blah blah blah?" Do you yeah. then take it to the pool with you and display the souvenir I asked you to pick up for me? No, I'd put it in my hotel room and yeah, be like, "All right." That's the part that, about it that didn't make any sense. I'm like, "Why did he buy that thing and then take it to the pool with him?" It, it might have been a shop <laughs> right next to the pool, and he's like, "I'll bring it back to my room after I've Maybe. done my reading." Yeah. Um. So. I forgot to mention that I was ready to throw hands with Riker over the do you need to bring a library on vacation with you comment. And he's like, Ulysses isn't easy reading. Like, look, buddy, some people like to read good literature. Leave them alone. <laughs> like, I'm one of those people. I take a library on vacation. Before Kindles, I used to take like five or six books because I'd get through them because you, when you're on vacation, you didn't have the Internet on your phone and stuff. Like, what did you do? You sat by the lake and you read a book, right? Keep like, in mind, I 
the the way that Riker has been selling Riso this whole time, it's clear. This is he, a sex planet. Yeah, he thinks we're sending him back down to a new, you know, planet 2.0. <laughs> well, and he wants to go to Riza, it's obvious. And so he's just kind of living vicariously through Picard. He's like, look, no, Picard needs the break. But ooh, Risa. I know. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so through a uh, comedy of errors, uh, Sovak, the Ferengi, thinks that Picard is working with Vash to try and get the artifact, uh, you know, uh, out from under his nose. And the reason he thinks that is because, like, the first time Picard and Vash see each other, she sees Sovak's looking for her. So she, like, immediately grabs Picard and kisses him to, like, try and hide. Does that trope ever happen in real life? Like, is that a thing that really happens? Like, I've never once in my life thought, oh, no, there's a person that I don't want to see me. Random stranger. Let's make out. <laughs> I've seen it on TV all the time. It's a TV I- trope. It's not a real thing. I think the closest, like, realistic version of it I've seen was in uh, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when... Uh, they're on the run, and uh, Nat asks Steve to kiss him, to kiss oh, her. Oh, yeah, that's right. I but forgot about that Because it, it was like to to try and get, he's like, yeah, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. So if they do that, then the people looking for them won't, like, pay attention to them. They'll, that's like, look true, away. yeah. That um, one made I, sense, but they know each other, sense. and they're no. on the run. Right, and, like, one time I was super, super drunk with my friend, and we were wandering the streets of Seattle, and there was a car coming, and I said, act natural, and started making out with her. But that was just because I wanted to make out with her. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> I don't know that it actually happens, but she still to this day will be like, act natural at me. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a running joke now because I was drunk and was like, act natural. And we started making up. <laughs> I can't imagine a time where I'd ever just start kissing a stranger. I'd have to be in some serious trouble and think it would actually work. And I think my fight or flight would be like time to fight or fly. <laughs> well, it's it's a like it's a pretty risky move to just like sexually assault someone to try and get out of some other trouble I like know. <laughs> you have to hope that they're okay with it <laughs> like, you're, you're literally just like I, i'm just going to assume that you're gonna not not take offense to this <laughs> yeah so this was about the point in the episode where i wrote in my notes with a big star next to it theory this is all part of his vacation like the game or total recall uh-huh. And that would have been such a better episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, if it turned out like the whole thing was like, like Vosh was like uh, an old friend of Rikers or something. Who yes, was, that's what I like, thought they were doing. They were giving him a vacation he could enjoy. But no, it just turned out it was like coincidence, which made it like not as interesting. You know, I don't know. The whole time I was like, maybe they set this I love for him. Maybe Vosh is like a hired actress or something. I don't know. <laughs> I had all these theories. And then it ended up what's what it ended up being like, oh, OK, it's just normal. What's the Daystrom Institute? The Daystrom Institute is a uh, a scientific research institute. It's actually um, uh, named after a character from the original series, Doctor Richard Daystrom, and so it's they uh, and it shows up throughout the uh, um, throughout Star Trek. I thought it sounded familiar, so either I've heard yeah. the name Daystrom when I was watching the original. I'm sure series. it's come up before. Yeah. And anyway, uh, so uh, about Risa. Uh, when Gene Roddenberry heard that uh, uh, they were writing an episode about a uh, vacation planet, uh, he's just like, oh, oh, send the writer to my office. Um, and at this point, Gene's kind of like already like on the outs, like he's not really in direct control over like script supervision and any, everything like that. Right. But, you know, they, he still has an office because, you know, his name's on the, uh, on the show. Gene Roddenberry, yeah. But he's not really, he doesn't really have any actual control, but he... 
uh, has the writer, I heard Stephen Bear come to his office and he's just like, yeah, I heard about your idea for a pleasure planet. And uh, here's my idea. I want it to be a place where just like everyone's having sex all the time. And you have men kissing men and women kissing women and just, you know, orgies everywhere. And I was like, how the so Am I going to put that, do that on that TV? TV? Yeah. And so, like, he goes to Rick Berman and he's just like, "What? Gene just asked me to do, like, a gay planet. And Rick Berman's like, um, yeah, no, ignore all of that. Just get the captain laid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with I'm with Gene that a pleasure planet would be more like that than yeah. very straight. But... You could do it today. Like, if they did, like, an episode of Strange New Worlds where they went to Risa, you could totally have it be a gay orgy planet. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd be here for that. But, yeah. (laughs) But not in 1990. Yeah. I was already thinking that the I was watching these episodes thinking the show is already more tame than it was in the first season. Our Mm -hmm. first couple seasons. Because when's the last time we saw a man in a dress? Uh, Probably the first season, yeah. Yeah, we kind of seem to have just lost that where they wear their dress uniforms. Well, the dress uniforms, uh, those do come back. Um, Are they still dresses? Or I mean, there is an episode where Worf complains about putting it on because he's like, oh, it looks like a dress. And then Riker's like, Mr. Worf, that is an outdated sexist attitude and I expect better from you. Besides, you look good in a dress. (laughs) (laughs) that's good but yeah i had already been thinking that like it is the 90s satanic panic is in full swing the uh parental advisory things are starting to like become a thing right like so i I, it felt like to me that maybe like those first two seasons they were allowed a little bit more like you could do whatever you want and it's the wild west but as it became more popular like they had to like get down on what they did because it just feels like there's less of that type of thing. Like the, the men in dresses is the example I can think of. But yeah, no, there, there's not as much sex uh, now in the show as there was in the first like two seasons. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes the sex was a little gratuitous on the show and I'm like, yeah, okay, Gene, we get it. Yeah. I mean, I lost, I lost the smallest bit of respect for Riker in this episode because there are things in life other than sex, right? Like, yeah. like, and usually I'm okay with his like playboying, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, I don't really care about Riker's like devil may care. I want to get laid attitude because that's whatever. He's a dude, you know, whatever. Look, look, he's he's just geeking out because it's his sex Disneyland, right? Um, <laughs> I know, but it felt like a little bit like okay, there's other things in the world, and you know, Jean Luc isn't you, right? 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 Yeah. Riker. <laughs> yeah, know? that was the big thing. Is he wasn't thinking about how. Picard would enjoy the vacation. He was thinking about how he would enjoy the vacation and be like, "Oh, Picard, you should do this. I'll Which, enjoy it." <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest, doesn't that seem a little bit out of character for Riker? Like uh, to not be thinking maybe. about other people's needs. Usually, he's pretty. You know, he's pretty. Um, he's. I think I he just got excited. Empathic, but I think yeah, I think he got excited. Yeah. Um. So, did you like this one? I didn't like this one. I didn't. Really uh, I thought like it was. A, I thought it was fun. Uh, I really like Vosh. Um, and she comes back. She's a fun times. character. Yeah. yeah, she's a fun character. Uh, I like that uh, Picard finally gets laid on the show in the most uncomfortable way possible, like having sex on the floor of a cave. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> I just and, like all they do is they just lay out a little blanket to lie on. I'm like, I hope that's made of some space age material that's like I memory so foam too. that only yeah. needs to be a, a millimeter thick or something. Because, ooh, that looks really uncomfortable. People will have sex in the most uncomfortable places on TV, and I'm like, you have a bed. Like, go be in the bed. Like the back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> like the back of a Volkswagen. <laughs> do you know that song, um, I Found Love in a Hopeless Place? I think it's Rihanna and yeah. that DJ guy. So every mm-hmm. time I hear that, my brain goes, in the back of a Volkswagen. 
<laughs> now people get a little insight into how my brain works. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. I wanted it to be more interesting than it was. It just wasn't interesting enough for me. It was they they were trying to do just like a kind of a classic adventure serial. Uh, yeah. With Picard and, you know, with, you know, all of the double crosses of, oh, the 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 uh, artifacts not here because Vosh actually had found it like earlier. And, right. And went and dug it up, but then like hit it in her quarters and then acted like she hadn't gone to it yet so that she could get Sovak off her case because he's like, no, I, I funded this whole thing. I should get the, the Maltese Falcon, the, uh, right. the whatever it is. And uh, it had then, a really weird name, like Utukak or something like that. I yeah, can't remember what it was. It, it doesn't matter what it is. The, it's future aliens. They, it they also seem they yeah. also seemed like they were, uh, you know, uh, of of malintent and trying to get it. But uh, Picard ends up like once he finds out that v- uh, Vosh has had it the whole time. And uh, this is right when like the Enterprise shows back up to pick him up. He's just like, OK, uh, I, uh, Riker, I'm going to need you to blow up my communicator when I tell you. And Riker's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, can you do a transporter number 14? And I was like. What does that mean? Because <laughs> Riker's like 14. And I was like, what's he doing? Like, what's a 14? <laughs> um, I would think, though, that Vosh would be a little more upset about that because, like, he just blew up her big payday. And then she's like, well, now I just need to go find a new archaeology job. <laughs> I was like, this is so weird. Yeah, yeah. she's like, I'm just going to go to this other planet where they kill trespassers. And Ricard's like, you asshole stop doing this stuff and she's just like oh but i'm fun we had fun didn't we Uh, (laughs) like look look picard i'm indiana jones leave me alone this is why i'm gonna indiana jones it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but i mean i hated this episode it wasn't i guess hated isn't a good word i just was kind of bored through the whole thing i was like i wanted something more interesting to happen i think the most enduring part of this episode is just the introduction of risa we see risa several times more throughout the franchise oh okay um, that's good to know and, yeah. and the horgon and jamaharon that's like a big uh meme now oh is it okay <laughs> yeah uh actually uh there is a character in star trek who uh was revealed canonically died from Jamaharon. So. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. You know, I meant to ask in the last episode with the doppelgangers, but since with the end, I'm going to ask now. Yeah. So who, you know, they always do this like doppelganger thing, right? Like what would be the tell or the or a scroll for that matter? What would be your tell that the doppelganger wasn't you? I've been trying to figure this out since uh, <sighs> Captain Marvel, I guess. Right. So I've been trying to figure out, like, how would people know the scroll wasn't me? Like, what's something so insignificant that people wouldn't know? And um, like for Picard, it was that he wouldn't sing with his crew, right? Or go to the poker game, have those familiarities. But I've been trying it for like three years now. I've been trying to figure out, you know, if I ever get replaced by a scroll or a doppelganger. (laughs) What's my tell? Do you know what yours is? Because, you know. Don't, because I've only had, I've only had 30 seconds to think about it. (laughs) I know, but it's an interesting one because I think everybody would have one. Like something that's so nuanced and weird about themselves that that's the the secret like and in in captain marvel they know about the scrolls and they know that they need to know that secret or whatever right like Mm -hmm. that's why um nick fury ends up revealing to captain marvel that he can't eat his sandwich if it's cut on the diagonal or if it's not cut on the diagonal i can't remember which one now i don't remember which it was i do know that uh how he cut his sandwich in avengers age of ultron was uh the way that he said it couldn't be cut 
that's because he's a scroll. (laughs) 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 Anyway, (laughs) but yeah, I was thinking about that during that episode and and it made me think about it again. Like, what would my tell be? I still don't know what it is, but it's got to, there's got to be something in each person, right? If we're ever doppelganger that would give us away. And so I I thought that was interesting because Picard's were interesting. Like they had to figure out what would give Picard's doppelganger away. And it ended up being these little things like too familiar with the crew and singing and that kind of stuff, you know? I just thought it was interesting. All right. I think that's everything for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ari. And I'm Gayfesh. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash worlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.